you take your seats, why don't you say hi to your neighbor and remind them of who we are in Jesus. Amen? You see, I want to talk to you a little bit because all this celebration, if you don't own it, if you don't know him, then this is just a, a happy day. It is a happier day if Jesus is your Savior. Amen? You see, there's probably some even today that came here thinking, you know, what's all this Easter celebration about? Is it bunnies and baskets and bonnets? No, it's about a tomb that's empty in Jerusalem. It's still empty. It was empty then, it's empty now. In John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, uh, we do that here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. We bring our Bibles, amen? They got your swords, the inerrant word. And there in John chapter 1, follow along, verse 6, it says, And there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Now through him you might believe. He was not that light but he was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. For he was in the world. Jesus was in the world. The world had seen him. The world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. You see, that's my question for everyone today. Do you know him? Doesn't do you any good to know about him. You need to know him. He doesn't need to be up here. He needs to be in here. The whole world knows about him up here. Do you know him? He came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. You see, there was a lot of people that were looking for him, but they didn't really know him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe on his name, not to those who know about him, but to those who have trusted him. To those that bow the knee. To those that know Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? You see, all this would just be an earthly celebration were it not for the King of Kings, for the Lord of Lords, for the light. You see, the Word became flesh. And his name was Jesus. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Easter is about grace and truth. Amen? It's about an empty tomb. Amen? It's about the risen Lord. Amen? That's the message of Easter. You see, we've made a journey 
It began with a parade with a homeless man and 12 homeless guys on a donkey a week ago. And when they entered Jerusalem, the Romans laughed. The Jewish people mocked. Skeptics cursed. But the Savior came. You see, it's about doing business with the Savior. In Him was found no sin. The sin that was placed on Jesus at the cross on Friday was my sin. It was your sin. It wasn't His sin. He was the sinless Lamb of God. The Apostle Paul would understand this so deeply that in the first chapter of the book that he wrote to the Roman Christians, those who were responsible for the physical death of Jesus, he declared to be the Son of God by power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. You see the tomb's empty. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We've come, Jesus, to celebrate you today. That's why we're here. We've had an awesome time in worship. We've praised your name. We exalt you. Many of us know you personally. But God, we've come to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the risen Savior. And so we pray now in these remaining moments that you'd speak powerfully. The message of the tomb, the empty tomb. Speak it into our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, if you would, now to Matthew chapter 28 to the first verse, and it says there, now after the Sabbath. Remember, this is a time, Passover, Jerusalem is crowded. There are perhaps a million or more people in the region of Jerusalem. They're surrounding the valleys. They're in the Hinnom Valley, the Kidron Valley. They have wandered from near and far. They've come that they might celebrate Passover. And that Passover, you need to know. Because the first one happened in Egypt. The children of Israel had spent 400 years in bondage. How many of us have spent years in bondage? How many of us were looking for a way to be freed from that bondage? And it was the blood of Christ that did it. You see, they'd come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And as they came into the region, and here comes this parade. All of a sudden, the people began to shout simultaneously, Hosanna to God in the highest! Our King comes. Lord, save us now. But what they were looking for wasn't what Jesus turned out to be. What they were looking for was an earthly king. They were looking for someone to take care of Rome. But Jesus came to take care of something far more powerful than Rome. And that's your sin and mine. You see, the wages of sin is death. 
And unless the wages of sin is taken care of, no one ever sees God. And so when Jesus came, he came to take care of a bigger problem than Rome. And yet as he was tried on that first day of the week, would have been a Sunday morning, much like many of us arrived here. The sun was still down. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to see the tomb. I find it interesting that the first ones there were the ladies. The guys that hung out with Jesus still didn't get it. There's a lot of people who don't get our Jesus. But you keep telling them about him. Because he's the only name under heaven that can save. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. Now imagine who these guys are. This is Caesar's SWAT team. These are the baddest of the bad. They've been through every training known to man in the Roman army. And they were assigned a simple task. There's a dead guy inside that tomb. You make sure he stays there. And here's the problem. Because they were facing something that probably not too many of them wanted. You fail at keeping the dead guy in the tomb, it's going to cost you your life. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears. And they pass out. Gone. Bunch of ladies show up and the guards pass out. Not horribly manly. But the angel answered to the women, the guys are asleep. They're gone. The big bad guards. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Amen? You see, that's the Easter message. The Easter message is that the tomb is empty. Just as he said. You see, this wasn't the first time they'd heard these words. Jesus himself, for six months, had been telling people off and on, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Come. Don't believe me? Come see the place where the Lord lay. I go quickly and tell his disciples, because they're not here. They're hiding. That he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went quickly from the tomb, verse 8 says here in Matthew 28, with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring the disciples' word. The disciples, that's us. Amen? That's who we are. We are his disciples. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, you're one of his disciples. And that message is the same message. It's the message that we have to offer. It is the hope for mankind. 
There's no hope in our state house. There's no hope in the White House. There's not hope in the Congress. There's not hope in the UN. There's not hope in the EU. There's hope in Jesus Christ. You see, mankind is still putting its hope in the wrong thing, the wrong one, the wrong group. The only hope is our hope that is anchored in heaven. And as he went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And so here these ladies come, and they grab Jesus by the feet, and they begin to worship him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there I will see them. Now, oddly enough, there have been people that have been contesting this very event for a very long time. man that founded the Harvard School of Law, and by the name of Simon Greenlee, founded the Harvard School of Law, was himself an unbeliever. And he was so convinced that the resurrection of Jesus was a hoax that he set out to disprove it. He authored a book, The Testimony of the Evangelists. And in that book, which is still used as a way for us to discern how to use the testimony of eyewitnesses in court. After spending six and a half years trying to determine this hoax that had been perpetuated on mankind at the time for 1,800 years, he came to the conclusion that there's no fact in human history that is more well-documented than the resurrection of Jesus. Eyewitnesses saw him. Paul records that one group of 500 at one time saw the Lord Jesus. You see, people want to know about Jesus, but they don't want to know about the resurrection. Because if he's raised, then he is exactly who he said he was. And so I ask you, what does the empty tomb mean to you today? What's going on in your heart and your mind? When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? Do you think historical figure? Do you think prophet? Or do you think Savior? You remember who you are without him. And now as they were going, verse 11 says, Behold, some of the guard came to the city. And I love this part. Now, if you have a job and you're here today and, and you know, you, you all of a sudden figured out that you're an absolute, utter, abject failure at your job, are you going to tell anybody about it? This is one of those authenticating pieces of information. Most people, when you have dropped the ball, the milk has been spilt, the egg is broken, You've blown it, you've biffed it, you've done exactly what you weren't supposed to do at your job, your only job. You're not likely to go into town and tell everybody about it. And yet they did. Some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. 
we're complete failures. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And I want you to see this. If Jesus was dead and in the tomb, why would they ever have recorded this? If they weren't afraid of the implications of an empty tomb, why would they have done this? Uh, We don't want you telling anybody about this whole empty tomb thing. I gave a large sum of money saying, tell them the disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. You realize that in saying that, they were signing their own death warrant. You tell them you derelicted your duty, you fell asleep on the job, and while you were sleeping, the disciples came and took Jesus' body. The very thing that you were told not to ever, for any reason, let happen. There's not enough money on this earth for any of us to do that, amen? Think about it. Well, we'll give you 100000 bucks, but oh, by the way, we're going to kill you. Most of you are going to turn that down. You're not going to get a chance to spend it. And if this comes to the governor's ears, this gets back to Pilate. You remember the guy that tried him. This gets back to the governor's ear. We'll appease him. We'll make him secure. We'll take care of you. We'll pay off anybody that needs to be paid off. You don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And so they took the money and did as they were instructed, saying, as is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You see, that is one of the things that keeps getting said. Uh, You know, it was those disciples. I mean, they were crafty. They may have been homeless, but they were really smart. You know, you can learn a lot out there in the region of Galilee. Fishing. You see the whole story when you think about it. Something else must have happened. And the eleven disciples went away to Galilee to a mountaintop which Jesus had appointed to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority to me has been given in heaven and on earth. And then he gives what we call, as, as the body of Christ, the Great Commission. He says, Go ye therefore into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we sit here today, the story hasn't changed. What does Easter mean to you? What, what, what are you thinking of right now as we gather here in this Beautiful place as we've been blessed to sit and worship and to praise the Lord. Caught his followers by surprise. It was the worst fear of the Jewish religious leadership. The Romans were thinking political intrigue. The disciples didn't have an idea. They had no clue. The ladies saw and believed. But this whole story as it unfolds for us today has exactly the same meaning. 
You see, as you travel around to the various parts of the earth and you go from place to place, you're going to find out that we take pretty good care of the graves of people that we think are important. You travel to Washington, D.C., maybe many of you have been there to Arlington, and you'll go to the Tomb of the Unknowns and stand there and watch the changing of the guard. One of the most wonderful things that you'll ever watch as an American citizen, just to realize the, the blood and treasure that's been spent for our freedom, keeping us safe. And when you travel there, there's bones inside of that crypt. You happen to be a mountaineer and you love the Swiss Alps, you travel to the little town of Zermatt. Outside of the Anglican church there in the central part of the city, you'll find a cemetery, and it contains the bones of a lot of dead mountaineers who died doing what they love. If you travel to Mecca, and you go to this incredible mosque there in the center, Kaba'ah, this giant black stone, and inside it, Muhammad's bones. But if you travel to Jerusalem and you walk into the garden, there's no bones, just an empty tomb. And let me tell you why that's important. You see, if the Jewish religious leadership could have produced the body of Jesus, they would have spent every amount of treasure that they had. If the Romans could have done the same thing, they would have done likewise. To those that hated the message that Jesus preached, every last one of them would have done everything they could to locate the body of Jesus. And I might remind you, the disciples didn't have a four-wheel drive vehicle if they had absconded with Jesus' body. There would have been 11 homeless guys carrying a corpse and trying to escape Jerusalem with it. Not likely going to happen. It's because Jesus is alive. And He's still alive. Amen? And as was the custom of that day, and it's important to understand the history, the Jewish practice of burial didn't take a coffin. It was normally done was a rock-hewn tomb, sometimes just a cave. The body would be carefully prepared and wrapped, and Scripture reminds us all four Gospels record this event. And as the event is recorded, what happens in a normal burial is the body is wrapped continuously with linen wrappings. And in each layer, myrrh and aloe and spices are added into each layer to preserve the body so that the body decomposes rather slowly and rather calculated. But the body is left to do that. And Scripture reminds us, the story tells us, that these ladies had gone and purchased a hundred pounds of these spices to embalm the body of Jesus. And yet Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, beat them to it. And so when we look at the gospel record, what we find is Jesus, just as Nick was telling us, 
Jesus took the time to just pass right through the grave clothes. They were still laying in place. And then the head napkin, which would have been around his head, was folded neatly and put in a niche beside. You see, if someone had stolen the body of Jesus, they wouldn't have taken the time. And they couldn't have done it that way. It would have been impossible. They would have had to cut him out. It would have been chaotic. And yet it was perfect. It was neat. Because the Lord was sending us a message. I'm not here. You see, the Old Testament prophets, David, had reminded us the grave wasn't going to keep him. He wasn't capable. Didn't have a grip on our Savior. No bone of his would be broken. He wouldn't be left in the grave. And as the angel comes and rolls away the stone, if you think about the picture, the angel wasn't rolling away the stone to let Jesus out. It was to let the ladies in. They'd have left the stone in place. It was, oh, he's in there somewhere. We can't move the stone. They'd actually argued, what are we going to do when we get there? And a little while later, John's gospel reminds us that Peter and John had a little bit of a foot race to get there after they'd met the ladies. They're busting down to the tomb to see what's going on. I can only imagine what the angel was thinking, what the angel was saying. You guys want to take a look? Go ahead. Peek in there. And Peter and John looked in, and John believed. When he saw that Jesus wasn't there, but the grave clothes were, it was enough for him to believe. You see, that stone that was rolled there was also sealed. Caesar's seal put on the door. No one could get in there. The guards were sent there to make sure that didn't happen. And yet, not only did the guards feel at their duty, but the seal didn't matter because he's alive. I almost wonder if God himself wasn't looking from heaven because you remember those six hours on Friday, for three of them, God turned his back for the first time in eternity on his son Jesus. He couldn't look while your sin, my sin, our sin was placed upon him. As he bore that sin, as he cried out from the cross to tell us, die, it is finished. He proved that by leaving the tomb on Sunday. He made sure that we understood full well that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And if you're here today and you've not understood how much God loves you, there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem that proves it because he's alive and he loves you. These women recount the message he is alive. Paul got in tremendous trouble. When you read the book of Acts, this simple resurrection account is the reason that the great apostle Paul ran into so much trouble. 
He kept telling people, no, Jesus is alive. They're saying, come on, you, you can't keep saying this. But he would keep saying it. Eventually it would cost him his life. Today, right now, around the world, there are millions of Christians in peril for one thing. If you're a Christian in the Middle East, almost anywhere, save Israel and part of Jordan, you better be really careful about who you tell because it can still cost you your life. If you're in Iran, you better be really careful because the simple resurrected Jesus can still cost you your life. You see, that's the, the bargain. Jesus said, unless a man loses life, he won't find it. Unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you can't get there. That's the message of Easter morning. As Jesus spent that time, he would then go and minister in the region of Galilee and he would meet with people and he remind them of how alive he was. He allowed himself to be talked to and touched and he ate meals with people and he hung out so that there was zero doubt that he was alive. And that story still stands today. That's why Jesus told them to not be afraid. Take the word to my brethren. Leave for Galilee. They're going to see me there. You know, that's the very same thing, the exact thing. that the ancient sage, the great prophet Job said. He said, there's something I know. After all of my troubles, all that I've been through, everything that God's allowed in my life, all the junk that's happened to me, there's something that I know and this is it, that one day I'll stand on this earth and see my Savior. I know one day I'm going to stand on this earth and see my Jesus. Still, that's the story. You see, it's a simple message, and people get all hung up. It's like, well, it's got to be more complex than that. Praise God, it's not more complex than that. Amen? That grace that we receive so freely is the only grace that can save. It's not by works, lest any of us should boast. The faith that we believe with is even a gift from God. And if you're here today and you've never believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me give you a little sense of how simple it is. God's Word declares that if you will confess Jesus Christ before men, He will confess you before His Father. It's not hard. But here's the key. You're going to have to trade something for it. You're going to have to trade your life for the life that He wants to give you in Him. You're going to have to give up what you used to be. Do I have any has-beens here today? Yeah, man, praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Amen? I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I used to be. Amen? That's the power of Christ. That's what we've received. 
And family, it's simple. Don't make it complex. People need the simple truth of the gospel. The gospel's not church. The gospel's not religion. The gospel is Jesus Christ is alive. You see, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is with us, whatever men may say. Amen? So very often people will ask, well, you know, what do I need to do? What you need to do is repent of your sin and invite Jesus Christ into your life. That's what you need to do. You see, it's interesting to me that those Roman soldiers, certainly the centurion that was with Jesus, eventually gave his life to the Lord because he knew that it was true. And around you today, or thousands of people who will tell you the same thing. It's true. If you look around this arena, there's an awful lot of former drug addicts, and drunkards, and people with all manner of sexual sin, thieves, liars. And praise God, we're not what we used to be. We've been touched. We've been healed. That day men beheld the glory of the Lord. And today I ask you, what does the empty tomb mean to you? To some it means trouble. Some it means religion. To some, the way is too narrow. To some, the price too high. But to those who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. My Jesus is alive. Our Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty and it's going to stay empty. And I want to close with this. And I'm going to invite you and I would just simply ask as the worship team begins to come back out. Everyone's faced with a decision. You see, you can not choose. And in not choosing, you have chosen. Because there's exactly two roads. There is a narrow one that leads unto godliness. And there's a broad one that goes pretty much anywhere you want to go. Jesus said, the narrow way is the way. It's going to cost you your old life. You're going to need to repent of your sin. You're going to need to invite him in. Many, if not most, that are gathered here today have believed on his name. We've seen his power. 
free from sin. We've seen His power to transform and renew our minds. And so I'm asking you, we're going to pray in a moment. Now's your turn. You've heard the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came into this world that the world through him might be saved. And you're saying, well, I don't need to be saved. Yes, you do. All of us do. For there is not one righteous, not one. You may think you're doing well. But compared to the holiness of God, you're going to fall short. For all will fall short. Every last one of us. And so in a moment, we're going to pray. And if you're here today, no matter where you are, I'm going to invite you to do something. It's going to be hard. And if you're sitting next to someone who wants to to come, I want to invite you to come with them. And I want you to come and I want you to receive that free gift of grace. We're simply going to pray. We're going to have some people pray with you. If you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. But I would be remiss to not offer you an opportunity to look into the empty tomb to see and to believe today. So as we bow our heads, those of you that are here and you love the Lord, believe in His name, you be praying for those around you. And if you're here today and you're saying, yes, Pastor Jeff, I I need to know Jesus. I need that power in my life. Then I'm just simply going to ask you where you are right now to come. Come stand down here. We're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to drag you off to some secret room and initiate you. But you want to know Jesus. You come now. Because today is the day of salvation. Christians, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask right now by the power of your Spirit throughout this place, God, would you right now begin to work. Lord, would you draw men unto yourself. Lord, there are people here who desperately need you. They've been playing, God. They've been playing games with you. They don't have answers, but they want answers, and you're the answer. And so, God, would you draw men to yourself right now? Father, would you cause those who need you desperately to put down their pride, Lord, to leave all the junk behind? Father, that you would work in their lives right now to will and to do that which is your good pleasure. Father, we know that there are many here today that if they were to take their last breath this day, they would spend eternity separated from you. God, please draw them right now by your Spirit's power. Father, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, it is only at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, and we have the opportunity to do it now. And so, Lord, we ask you, please, Holy Spirit, come and convict of sin and of righteousness. Lord, that your free gift to us is salvation in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father God, thank you for these that have come. Lord, we can't wait to get to heaven to celebrate together. 
Lord, you have done a great and a mighty thing in these lives today. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, please continue to just move in your people right now. Father, we thank you for these that have come and have bowed their knee. Lord, bowed their hearts. And Lord, we ask right now that your spirit would fall afresh upon them. Those that are gathered here, I want you to to pray with me. Just pray out loud. Pray, Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you to come in and to save my life. Lord, I want to honor you with my life. I want to walk with you. Free me from my sin, Lord. Set my feet upon a rock. Make my way straight. Write my name in your Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God.